0: I will read, starting at verse 14, chapter 15. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my word for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyricum I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, Those who have never been told of them will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is God's
1: word. Please remain standing. Thank you, Trevor. Let's pray together in light of the scriptures that we just read. Uh, and also, just uh, Alvin mentioned this earlier, and you might have already gotten a communication about this, but I want to, as I pray for our time in the scriptures, I do want to lift up the Quinn family this morning as well. Uh, if you haven't heard or, or seen the message out there, um, Frank has been diagnosed with a brain tumor, and um, Linda and the family want everyone to know about it, want everyone to be praying for him and lifting them up. They don't yet know uh, if it's cancerous or not, um, but they, they want prayers that uh, this is uh, it's operable, that it's uh, it's a passing story. Um, so let's pray together uh, in light of that request. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, thank you uh, for your faithfulness. God, for your goodness, Lord, again for the fact that you you give us your word, that you call us to yourself. And Lord, we look forward to reflecting on this passage uh, today, Lord, and letting your spirit guide this time. Uh, but Lord, we, we come with hearts that are uh, heavy by the reality of, of one of our, our own church family, our brother, who uh, has a diagnosis, and um, we don't know what the, what the end of the story is going to be. And God, we, uh, even though we don't know, we know that you do. And Lord, we know that you are a healer, Lord, that you are strong, that you are capable, and, God, we do pray for you to act and to heal. And in even, Lord, as more is learned in the coming days, Lord, the coming hours, Lord, it would be the best possible of all circumstances, God, that, that it would be uh, a benign tumor. Lord, thank you already for the news that it it's, uh, seems to be singular, Lord, that there's not other tumors around it or in other places, God. Um, we just pray that the good news uh, from this circumstance would just continue to roll out. Lord, in the midst of it, Lord, please just be very near. To, to Linda, to all their kids, their grandkids, God, uh, and help us as a church, a small church family, God, uh, to really love and support uh, Frank and Linda well in the midst of this unexpected development in their life and in their story. Uh, orient our hearts to you. May, may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. All right. So, friends, um, welcome, agla- uh, welcome again. Glad you're here uh, at church this morning. And uh, you know, this week, as I reflected on the eight verses that we have before us, got thinking about it. I also got thinking about uh, books specifically books that I have read in my past that have been significant in kind of forming and shaping uh, my, my heart, my mind, in terms of my understanding of my faith and my spirituality. I think part of the reason my brain went there is, uh, you know, in addition to the news about Frank, we got the, the news about uh, our Presbyterian brother, uh, Tim Keller, passing away earlier this week as well. And so I was thinking about one of the ways that Tim Keller has had an impact on me in my life is through the things that he's written. Uh, a lot of books, and so I was thinking about books, thinking about his sermons as well. Um, But thinking about books, and uh, in that vein, uh, I was thinking about one that I read actually and received as a gift not too long after I graduated from high school. Someone actually gave, gave it to me as a high school graduation gift, and it was a book by another guy you probably heard of by the name of John Piper. And uh, this book was titled uh, "Don't Waste Your Life." Given to me as a high school graduate, someone is saying, "Here, Brian, here's a gift. Don't waste your life." It's kind of an aggressive title, I think, a little bit, just just a little bit. Um, but it's it's got a point, right? He's driving home the point that, uh, along with his own story that he shares in the book, that there's a stewardship that we have as believers. And in the opening chapter of this book, uh, Piper begins to share the, the story of his own life and his testimony and kind of how he uh, became a pastor and kind of had the sense of the call to ministry that he ended up having. And part of the story, as he's beginning to tell it, is the story uh, of when he is a, is a kid and his own dad is actually a pastor at a church. So uh, I'm gonna, I'll read a quote here from, from, uh, from the beginning chapter of this book. Uh, Piper writes this. He says, For me as a boy, one of the most gripping illustrations my father used was the story of a man converted in old age. The church had prayed for this man for decades. He was hard and resistant, but this time, for some reason, he showed up when my father was preaching. At the end of the service during a hymn, to everyone's amazement, he came and took my father's hand. They sat down together on the front pew of the church as the people were dismissed. God opened his heart to the gospel of Christ. And he was saved from his sins and given eternal life. Then he says this, kind of takes a turn. He says, but that did not stop him. This this man, this convert, uh, did not stop him from sobbing and saying, as the tears ran down his wrinkled face, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. Of course, Piper goes on from there and kind of continues to build on that theme and reflect on it and how that came in his life. And there's probably a lot we could say about it, just even reading that short excerpt and uh, things we could reflect on there. Um, But as I thought about this story from this book this week uh, and putting it together with our our text, I thought of it largely as a kind of counterpoint and kind of an inverse illustration, kind of like a bizarro example, kind of up and against, over against, uh, in contradiction with what we see Paul, the apostle, saying in our passage in these eight verses that we looked at here today. What do I mean by that? I mean, instead of the conviction that Paul has somehow uh, wasted his life, or is wasting it, What we see here in our text today from Paul is actually that he has actually a very high degree of confidence regarding a couple things. Not only, first of all, like what his calling is, but then secondly, confident that he is accomplishing it, that, that he's doing it, that it is being done. He's answered the call that God has put on his life. So for Paul himself, as we see it in these verses, I think the clear calling here, as I've entitled uh, the sermon, the clear calling uh, both is and has been, as we see in verse 16, to serve as a unique way, as a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Verse 16, Paul says he is a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in particular. Is this particular calling to serve those beyond the borders of national ethnic Israel and to go to all people, all tongues, all languages. And Paul knows himself to be one who is called in that way. And so we see clarity regarding the what, right? But Paul, Paul is a minister to the Gentiles. We know him to be an apostle, one who is sent as a messenger to those who do not know and who have not heard the gospel. We see this in verse 19, especially also where Paul says that from Jerusalem all the way around to this place called Illyricum, he says, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That confidence that he he knows what the calling is on his life and that he has done it. I have fulfilled the ministry. Illyricum, by the way, I think, yeah, I have a map. In case you don't know where a is which i didn't it's, it's kind of uh, modern day croatia so you can kind of see from jerusalem all he says all the way around you can see kind of he's insinuating this path where, that he has traveled on these various missionary journeys that he has taken and he's gone all the way around to that great distance which you know in, in a day and age where he is generally walking by foot that is no small accomplishment So Paul has clarity who he is what he is called to do and uh, what I want to do for the kind of the remainder of my time in this in this reflection in this sermon is to just kind of make some observations some kind of quick quick hits about Paul's sense of ministry here and then draw draw out towards the end an implication or two maybe see a few implications and kind of applications for us and our our calling uh, as believers as well along the way But really observations first four of them and then some implication at the end if you can if you can hang with me you with me all right good and uh, just one other note before i kind of jump into the um the observations proper just as an aside big picture as we come to uh this point of romans chapter 15 sometimes i just want to talk through the bell i could do that right yeah okay it's not like i need to respect the bell (laughs) bell should respect us right okay respect god's word okay anyway so um so kind of big picture as we're at this point in the book of romans uh romans 15 about halfway through it what we're seeing here is that paul is beginning to he's, he's kind of changing gears He's shifting it up a little bit, because largely he has been in this mode of explanation, of exhortation, of encouragement, in all these various ways. That's been his tone. All of a sudden now, he's switching more into kind of like an autobiographical kind of sense and feel, talking about himself, as, as we're seeing, talking about his calling, and even, as we'll see, especially next week, kind of his plans about what he's going to do in the future. And so with that, you know, it's interesting, it's historical, but one of the things that we all, I always have to be aware of and, and we have to be aware of as students of God's word is to kind of overapply. If If it's an autobiographical section of God's word where Paul is talking about his specific life and his specific calling from God and how that's working out in the world and his plans, you kind of need to not fall off the fence in two ways. First, like I said a moment ago, you don't want to overapply it and kind of Take, take too much away from this and say, well, this applies to all of us universally in the exact same way it applied to Paul. Eh, not so fast, right? We need to be careful as we think about application from that perspective. And then secondly, you know, the other side of the fence and uh, or the horse, depending on what you're riding, uh, that you could fall off of is just do absolutely zero application and say, this doesn't apply to me or to us at all. Right. So in the midst of these observations, and as we're thinking through implication, the goal is to just be rightly kind of on the fence, and thinking about the appropriate applications of, of these words to, our, to us, to our lives, and to the church uh, today, as those who are a part of God's church. So for, uh, dive in, does that make sense? I'm with you? With, okay. So regarding Paul's calling, his clear calling, as Paul sees it, his calling to these Gentiles first and foremost, is uh, what I'm going to say is it's not an original calling. (laughs) It's not something that Paul himself just made up or thought up as kind of like, hey, I'm going to do this brand new thing, this startup that no one's ever thought of before. As opposed to that, really what it is, is it is very much a continuation of what God has done, what God has ordained, even from before the foundation of the earth. Part of God's plan of redemption, God's plan of salvation from before Paul was alive, all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to before uh, the world was created, right? From the foundations of the world, God has this plan, and it has included the Gentiles. So in that sense, Paul's ministry calling is not, not this unique you know, idea that he came up with. It's a continuation. There's continuity here with the, the story of God's people. We see this in our passage, I think, in two ways. First of all, uh, especially verse 16, and I'll say we also see it in, in verse 21. But in verse 16, I, I, we see especially uh, the, these allusions to kind of these, these types, and these shadows of kind of Old Testament, Old Covenant uh, allusions and, and language. Verse 16 says, uh, well, kind of leading up to it from 15, he says, But on some points I've written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, Because of the grace given to me by God. Verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And then he says this in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So think about those two things. He's using the language of a priestly service and an offering, the offering of the Gentiles. And both of those hearken back to kind of the precepts of the old covenant and, and this uh, law that was the law for God's people in the Old Testament. And so I think what Paul is doing here by employing this language, this Old Testament language in this moment, as he's talking about his ministry to the Gentiles, he's kind of intentionally hearkening back to God's work in the past to say, hey, there is a continuity here and a call-out and a continuation of God's plan and his, what he has ordained from the past to even my own ministry here in the present, in the, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. So there's, there's a story of continuity, even though we would acknowledge, and just as Paul acknowledges very much in this book, Jesus has come and Jesus has changed everything <laughs> Right? In the midst of this story, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the types and all the shadows of the Old Testament. And he is ultimately, you know, the prophet, the priest, the king that the Old Testament is, is telling us about and pointing us towards. But here, Paul is kind of saying, yes, but there's still a sense in which we can think about priests, right? We, as New Testament believers, we think about the priesthood of all believers. As uh, in the new covenant, we think of uh, offerings as well. And it's not the same offerings that are mandated by the law. And yet, you know, we, we take up an offering, right? So Paul, I think I would argue is using the, these, uh, this language in these ways to kind of say there is continuity in what I'm doing. I didn't just make this up out of nowhere. The second, so so that's the first one, kind of these types and shadows, this language that he's using. Uh, the second way is that's The second way, way we see continuity here, I would say, is in terms of Old Testament prophecy. And this has been happening all throughout this letter that Paul has written. He's been pulling Old Testament prophecies and saying, hey, this is fulfilled. Hey, see how this is, this is applying here. This, this points to what Christ has done in this way. And here again in verse 21 of chapter 15, Paul's doing it again. And here in this case, the very last verse that uh, Trevor read for us was Isaiah, a call out Isaiah 52 verse 15 we know isaiah 52 uh from you know just being on the heels of this important prophecy of christ and who he is in the old testament that is picked up a lot in the new testament but it's here uh that he says i'll just read it again for us uh he's talking about lest i build on someone else's foundation right this kind of unique calling that he has but as it is written those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never been heard will understand so again talking about the nature of his ministry but the continuity is he's pulling from old testament saying hey this was foreseen in in the old covenant even by the prophet isaiah even if he himself didn't exactly know what he was uh talking about this this is it right it's being fulfilled now by the ministry that is going on in this new testament era So yeah, so that's what Paul is saying. That's what he's seeing. He's saying, hey, guys, my call is flowing out of the Old Testament story. It is all connected. So Paul's ministry is a continuation. Secondly, number two, uh, call out here. As Paul sees it, his ministry, his calling is not only a continuation, it is also a collaboration. Collaboration, and we see this, I think, especially in verse 14 of our text. We see this, Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Uh, Now, a few things to notice as we're thinking about Paul's ministry as a collaboration here, we should uh, remember and take note that Paul himself has never been to Rome. He's writing to a church and to a place where he has not yet ever been himself. And yet, first and foremost, there is a church there. A church exists, and he's writing to these people who he is calling brothers. And so the fact that there is a church that exists there and he's calling these people brothers shows us that there is collaboration in gospel ministry. Clearly, someone else, some, in some other way, the gospel has gone forward. The gospel has gone out to Rome, And now there are believers there. There's a community, there's there's a church. So from that perspective, it becomes very clear that Paul isn't like a one-man show, right? There is a collaboration that is going on here. um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, God has been at work in many ways. So collaboration here in Rome um also yeah sorry the second point here as we think about collaboration he he makes this statement he says that they are as a church and as individual believers are able to instruct one another so clearly he's pointing at the fact that by the ministry and the work of the holy spirit they have some wisdom in and of themselves so it's not all about him coming and he's the again the one-man show coming in to deliver the gospel but but the ministry and his calling isn't just him on an island. It is, it is a continuation. It is also a collaboration of what God is doing in other people, through other people in the world. Uh, as uh, we say in my house, and as I probably say too often to my family, teamwork makes the dream work. And right? especially as we're trying to get together and you know, get to church on a Sunday morning, right? like, let's, let's do this. Uh, well, it's, it's not just about one person forcing it through. Like, we got to work together. So, uh, you know, Paul isn't saying teamwork makes the dream work, but essentially that's, that's my summary of what he's saying. <laughs> Gospel collaboration needed for the kingdom to go forward in the world. So continuation, collaboration. Secondly, Paul, or sorry, thirdly then, Paul sees his ministry as uh, born of grace. Grace born of grace, and not just generic grace that somehow is floating out there ethereally from who knows where, but it's born of the grace of God, God's grace. See this especially, I think, in verse 15, it's kind of hinted at in other ways in the passage. Verse 15, Paul says, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder why, why, Paul, why have you done this? Why have you written to us boldly as a reminder? He answers, I've done this because of the grace. I've written this letter because of the grace given to me by God. The grace given to me by God. And then he goes on, verse 16, to again articulate this kind of unique calling that is his uh, specifically to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. In this priestly service. And really, the primacy of grace in uh, salvation and in calling and in ministry is one that we see all throughout the, the letter of Romans. We see it in multiple places, multiple ways. Uh, really, even uh, beyond that, even in uh, other letters throughout the New Testament. I think specifically of Romans 3, verse 23, and verse 24. Paul, at this point, says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he goes on, verse 24, are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's a continued theme, I think, also of uh, the very first chapter of this book, where Paul says in verses 4 and 5, he's talking about how uh, it is through Christ Jesus that uh, he and the, those he's writing this letter with have received grace and apostleship. Received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of Christ's name among all nations. So, again, apostles, the apostleship that Christ ha, or that uh, Paul has is born of grace. and The ministry is born of grace. We could think even a, a classic verse like Ephesians chapter 2 where we see uh, Paul saying, for by grace you have been saved, writing to the Ephesian church at that point, through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but it's the gift of God. So really grace uh, and ministry being born of grace and uh, salvation being born of grace is is in many ways the message of the New Testament. And Paul is uh, alluding to that, saying that even here. In this passage today. So continuation, his calling is a collaboration. It is born of grace. And fourth uh, observation I'll make here, and the, the kind of the closing one, is before we think about implication for a moment, is uh, that his his clear ministry calling is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is enacting and enabling and making effective. What, uh, what Paul has done and is doing in the world. See this especially in verses 18 and 19, the, the last kind of the end of verse 18, uh, and then also verse 19. And I think a lot of ways what, what is going on here is Paul is alluding to what we see and can read about ourselves if we read, for example, the book of Acts. I think that's what Paul is talking about in these verses. He says, He says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, to bring about the, uh, to bring the Gentiles to obedience, he says, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And so I think these, these allusions to, I mean, he just names it very clearly, by the power of the spirit of God, and then also alluding to the power of signs and wonders, which again, I would say he's you know, read the book of Acts, and we see all kinds of illustrations and examples where Paul is uh, up against all kinds of odds, struggling against all kinds of uh, hindrances and barriers to ministry, and yet the gospel is going forward. Why is the gospel able to go forward even when everything, when the whole world is against him, when, you know, the Roman civilization is not for, you know, Jesus Christ being proclaimed and preached? Right? the jews the judaizers who have not come on board with jesus being the messiah they too they are they are not for the gospel being pr- preached and proclaimed and yet it is going forward even in miraculous ways we see these stories of healings at one point even you know paul being bitten by a viper and he just shakes it off like it's nothing the signs and wonders this is the power of the holy spirit at work enabling this ministry god-ordained ministry to go forward That's that's the observation, right? It's a continuation, a collaboration, born of grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I think as we've gone along, maybe you have thought in your own head and heart of kind of like, okay, I see some application. I see some ways that this still is valid and uh, speaks to us, speaks to me as a believer, uh, the year 2023. But I want to just name maybe one or two here to... Uh, kind of close us up before we go to the table together and i think by and large uh, anything i would want to say falls under this title this reality which is i think i have yeah implications our calling god's word god's word specifically obeying god's clear revealed word to us as we have it today in the scriptures that is our clear calling That is the response that we are to have. You know, Paul's ministry here, he speaks of it being to bring about the obedience of faith. For us, we too are called to live in the obedience of faith. For us, the obedience of faith is manifest as we study God's word, as we apply it rightly to our own lives, to our own hearts. As we think about and process what it means for uh, god 's call to us as husbands and wives, what is our clear calling as a husband? What is our clear calling as a wife? Our clear calling as as children to honor our father and mother at whatever age and stage we are at? Our clear calling in terms of what God says about finances and giving and generosity? We have clear callings in god 's word. When it comes to justice and to care for the orphan and for the widow, we have clear callings when it comes to sex and purity. We have clear callings in so many ways that are in God's word. So often we we get anxious, I get anxious about knowing the particular calling of God in, in, in a particular situation or application. And I just, you know, I'm paralyzed until I know what's God's will for this choice. You know, should we move back to paradise or not? You know that one's taken care of, done, check, we're here. You can think about all kinds of, you know, very specific questions about, should I do this, should I not? But we have so many things that often we ignore. <laughs> that if we would just do the main things, the plain things that are clear in God's word, a lot of the other things would work themselves out. Right? Like what is, what is the greatest commandment, the, the greatest calling that we have? Love the Lord, yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You could wrap everything into those two clear callings, clear commandments from God and from his word. So ultimately, that's, I think that's what we are. we're being called to. It's a call to obedience to God's word. I think part of that is a calling to rest, I think of Jesus' words, or Jesus himself says, you know, he's talking to a group of people. He says, come to me, all you who are what? Weary, heavy laden. He will give us rest, That's a calling. Go to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Have rest. Let your obedience be born of rest, right? Not muscling it, you know, not, not just gritting your teeth. Sometimes you got to grit your teeth, right? But as much as we can, let, let's have our obedience come out of our rest in Christ and knowing that he has paid it all, okay? that he is on the throne, that he is the ascended one to rest in him. Wrap us back around to John Piper, you know, this idea, don't waste your life. I feel like, like I said, I feel like Piper can be a little bit abrasive sometimes, a little harsh. Don't waste your life. Like it it kind of, it creates this anxiety, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to waste my life. I don't want to do that. But here's the truth. We are called to repentance and faith, to belief in Jesus. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, you're not going to waste it. If you repent, you believe, you still have a day left. You're not going to waste your life. Because that day, the next minute, the next hour, is an opportunity to to make the most of it for Jesus. Nothing is wasted when it's given over to the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. We don't know how long we have. Let's give it all to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, you are good. Lord, thank you for giving us your word and your truth, your gospel. Lord, continue to to preach to all of us, all of our senses, Lord, as we uh, go to this table. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.